you are listening to the Fire You Carry podcast. I'm Noel Lilly, and in this episode, Kevin Welsh and I talk about keeping your kids safe in today's world. If you don't have kids, give this episode a listen anyway, because let's face it, eventually you're going to have some kids, or at least you should. And at the end of this episode, we talk about how we allow our children to do dangerous things safely and why that's important as well. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Fire You Carry podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kevin Welsh. I'm Noel Lilly. Today we're talking about parenting. Noel, you want to dive into what we're talking about today? I had this thought recently. I was driving through a busy metropolitan area with my wife and we're on a corner of a street, stopped at a light and I observed this family on the corner. There's two little boys. I don't know. They were probably five and six or seven around that age. And they're doing what little boys do. They're being rowdy with each other. They're running around their parents. They're, you know, they're getting rough with each other, but it looks friendly. But mom and dad are focused elsewhere. So somebody's looking at a phone. The other person's looking across the street. Nobody's watching these kids. And every time I see a moment like that, I think because of the line of work that you and I have, I, I get upset a little bit like, man, those kids are right by this busy street. There's cars zooming by. And you and I have unfortunately seen mm-hmm. what happens when a five-year-old, eight-year-old, whatever, anybody really gets tagged by a car that's going 40 plus miles an hour. And it's not good, right? And we all know that, but I think because we've seen it, we're more sensitive to it. So I just kind of wanted to dig into a little bit of some ways that we should all be aware of keeping our kids safe. Because not everybody has a job like we do, where you've seen the after effects of things like that. So I just thought we'd touch on some of those that I personally think about with my own kids. And then when I see other people out in public, stuff that kind of comes to my attention. Yeah. And like, you know, when you're, you're talking about that, I haven't thought about this a lot, but there was a gal who I don't think she was homeless. She was just, uh, you know, she was sitting on the curb on the, on the curb with her legs out in the street. Mm-hmm. And you've seen those people sit on the curb. They're not like back from the street. Their legs are out on the street. And of course she got hit and it was yeah. horrific. It was horrific. Yeah. But I do see like, it's, I don't know if it's in the teenage culture or the junior high culture or middle schoolers or whatever you call them, but they seem to sit on the curb with their feet out. And there's usually a gap. There's no, you know, there wasn't a bike lane or anything like that. But I, every time I see that, I know, I don't think it's, it's conscious in my head of that. I'm like, get out of the curb, go back like five feet. Yeah. And we don't think about that kind of stuff because especially at those ages, at when you're a teenager or a young kid, like you just don't, you're not aware of those risks. And so you don't think about it. And if you've never seen it, it's just not even something that crosses your mind. And yeah, that goes right along in the same category for me as people that ride in the passenger seat of the car with their feet on the dashboard. Oh yeah. Horrible. Which you see driving down the freeway all the time. And you're just like, man, I really hope you don't have to rear end somebody today. Cause it's going to go really bad for you when that airbag <laughs> goes bad. off. Real bad. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I've joked with my wife. She said, you know, you were very like me before children. I don't, she said, I don't, I never knew you to have a fear. And that's not Mm. true. I think I have fears of things, but I always like, I'm excited to skydive. I'm excited to, 
do some stuff. And I'm like, I don't have a whole button. As soon as kids came in, I feel like I've been in fear for the last 10 years. You know what I mean? There's different because you're, you know, like there's something like a flip has been switched in my brain that I am to provide and protect these two innate things that rely on you for their life. You know what I mean? And in the beginning, like think about it, like we haven't even left the hospital and I'm worried about who's coming in. There's a wristband on mine on my wrist that matches her wrist that says that nobody can take my kid from this hospital because mm. that is a threat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. That has been thing that people taking babies, you know what I mean? And then, and then to the point of when you go into the car, we're putting in that car seat. I ratchet that thing down. Like you mm-hmm. couldn't believe we sat in the middle seat. It's facing backwards. I'm sitting next to her. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing is like from day one, like the game has changed when you have children. And I don't know if that's the same for you. And it's getting less and less now, but man, there's a lot more fears that I had becoming a parent than I never did before. And all that stuff is low frequency. You know, most people will go through their lives and they won't have a major incident. They won't have a bad car accident, whatever. But the problem is, is that just like here with our jobs, that one really bad day, it comes out of nowhere and you don't know when it's going to strike. So if you installed the car seat incorrectly, or if you're not watching your kid by the street or whatever, when that day hits, if you weren't prepared prior, then it's too late, right? So you got to be ready. And of course, it probably goes without saying, we're not advocating for you to be just paranoid and living in fear all the time, but there are some things that you can do to mitigate some of this stuff that are, that's easy. Kevin just mentioned a great one. Make sure your car seat is installed correctly. Like it's stuff that's as simple as that. You do it one time, and then for years, you never have to think about it again. You might check it every once in a while, but you know, make sure you're doing it right. Make sure it's the right size for the kid. To go back to the kids on the street, many, many years ago when I was a young man, my dad told me that if I was ever walking alongside of a street with a lady, this was before I had met Heather, so it was a you know an, an imaginary person, turned out to be Heather, but you always put yourself on the street side, on the traffic side, and keep her right. on the inside. Right. And it was a chival, a chival, I can't say that word, a chivalry thing more than anything else. But as you, as you get older and now I have kids, it's a much more practical thing that I do still do that. I walk on the traffic side. Reason being, if a car comes careening out of the traffic, I have an opportunity to push them out of the way. Whereas if I'm on the inside and away from traffic, it's going to be more difficult to grab them and pull them. And that's never happened to me. And I don't think it ever will. I pray it never does. But if it does, I'll at least be in the position where I have an opportunity to take action. And that takes a little bit of forethought, right? You have to think about that when you're walking down the street. But if you do it enough, it just becomes a habit and it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I think I do that and I and it's definitely conscious to have them be on the inside. You know what I mean? And that's even if there's there's men approaching us like a groups or a furnace crowd. You know what I mean? I want to be on, yeah. I want them to hit my shoulder. You know what I mean? Yes. Not hers. So yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's definitely conscious and should be and and it's really endless, right? I mean, you, you're talking about a balance between having some danger and having safety, but having consciousness. And I know it's something that we've talked about it too, but one of the things that I am conscious about as a parent is that I don't, drink alcohol. And part of the reason is because I want to be there if something happens and I want Mm -hmm. to be, I couldn't be, I can see, I've seen some people just completely out of their mind 
And if something happened and it didn't even matter to the kid, if there was an earthquake, if there was a anything, they're not able to lead their family to safety or to make conscious decisions or to drive away or anything. Right. And so I know that I, I just, that's part of the reasons why I don't is that, and it's, it's just to be available to help when needed. Yeah. If you're incapacitated for whatever reason, you're unavailable. If there's anything, any emergency, you're just out of the, you're out of the fight. You're out of the game. <laughs> Completely. And, and that's yeah, like, as a dad, I'm with you. I won't be put in that situation. And it's not just drinking. I mean, I mean, if you're stoned out of your gourds, if yeah. you're on DMT, if you're whatever it is, yeah, if you're micro dosing with whatever, right? <laughs> like, I don't know what the current thing is, but like, yeah, it's just something to be conscious of. And at least for me with kids, it's like, I want to be able to, to be like, yeah, get in the car, follow me. You know what I mean? I can't, if I, I'm not going to be waiting for Uber when something goes down because I've been drank too much, you know? As I was thinking about this episode, I just started thinking about some of the the bad traumatic calls that I've had on the job because those always the ones that affect us the most always involve kids. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. And I have multiple calls that I can remember where we showed up on scene and there was a in all the cases it's been a young boy who was either bike riding or skateboarding and had gone down, witnessed or unwitnessed. And when we got there, they're on the ground and they're posturing. What's that what's that called? Yeah, decorticate That's posturing. Decorticate yeah. posturing, which, I mean, Kevin, you're the paramedic. Tell me what that what that usually means. What does that indicate? Well, it's a significant brain injury. So right, and, right. And each one of these kids that I can remember, they weren't wearing a helmet. Right. That's the that's the through line of all of them. No helmet. They're down and they're posturing, which means they've got a traumatic brain injury. They're, you know, they could be paralyzed. They might end up passing away. Whatever. It's not going to be a good outcome. And that's such a simple one. And having been a young man myself that did a ton of mountain biking, a lot of skateboarding, I know that kids don't want to wear helmets. I almost never did when I was a kid myself. And my son, Indy, who is seven, shockingly also does not want to wear a helmet, but but we make sure he does, right? Whenever we're with him and he's riding a scooter or his bike or whatever, we make sure he puts that thing on. Now, what can I do when it's my son North and he's 17, he's going to go ride his mountain bike. I can't guarantee that he keeps it on, right? There's nothing I can do, but I can explain to him, look, this is the reason why this thing exists. I want you to wear it. Now, what he chooses to do, I can't control that, but I can at least let him know, look, here's the risk. Like I've taken some really bad falls in my time doing mountain biking and they come out of nowhere. You, it's not like you plan for it. And I got lucky. I had a couple that should have really injured me and I, I didn't get injured, but it could have been worse. And so helmets, helmets are a big deal for me. Yeah. Kids should always be wearing helmets if they're on any kind of wheeled apparatus. Yeah. And that brings up like Jordan Peterson, which we, we both like was on mm. Theo Vaughn's podcast, I think. And who is hilarious and they couldn't be two more different people on the planet. But he said, and there's that line, I think it's it turned into like a YouTube thing. That's it's, there's clips of people doing things to Jordan Peterson's voice on the internet. Right. <laughs> but it says you cannot interfere with children when they are doing dangerous things carefully. Yeah. Dangerous things carefully. And so I think like, should they be mountain biking? Yes. 
but with 100%. helmet and a gear and maybe, you know what I mean? Long sleeves and, and, and some pants, you know, that's care. Like you're taking calculated risks. You're doing it carefully, but you're doing the dangerous things that will make you the person that you want those kids to be. Right. But I think, I think you have to just gear up. You got to do some stuff. Is it wise to run into a burning building? No, but if you have the gear on, we've done it. It's no big deal. It's an acceptable risk. Yeah. Acceptable risk. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I, I picture Indy right now getting on his scooter and going up the driveway, which is a steep hill, and going higher than I would like him to go <laughs> to show me how fast he can ride Get this the thing. Wobbles. But you got to let him do it, right? How is yeah, he going to learn where his limits are? How is he going to learn how fast he can take that scooter if you don't let him give it a shot? And if he falls, he will get injured. He will. He's going to get his knees scuffed up, you know, scuff his hands, whatever, but it's not permanent. Right. He's got a helmet on. So hopefully that's enough and that protects him and you got to do it. I totally agree with you. And then there's a level of comfort that you have being around your child that I think I know for, I'm more comfortable with my oldest child who's done a lot of rock climbing, BMX racing, different stuff. I give her a little bit more leeway because she has a little bit more athletic capacity and if, if that makes any sense, I think spending time with them both, I know kind of what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. So when one says, I'm going to climb to 30 feet, I said, go have a great time. When the other says, I'm thinking about climbing to 30 feet, I think I'd say, let's stay to that first branch. It's about 10 <laughs> <laughs> because I know, I, I know what they're capable of. And now they can completely mash what I think, I, I hope they break what I think is their limit. You know what I mean? But just knowing them and spending a lot of time, I, I think that's something that we have to, we have to calculate in. Yeah. I like that. That's very insightful because every kid is different and capable in different ways. Back to the, the horrendous calls, pools, bodies of water oh, with, with little ones. I mean, two things. You've got to keep your littlest ones in your line of sight. If there's a body of water around if it's a pool, if it's a river, if it's a lake, it doesn't matter if they're little, even if they know how to swim, you've got to know where they are. There's, it's just not negotiable. You should teach your kids how to swim super young. That could save their life. But regardless, I mean, I know you've been on them. I've been on them and drowning happens really fast. And if you don't figure it out soon enough, sometimes even if you do, the kids, they don't make it and it's not pretty. So that's non-negotiable. Yes. You got to keep them Dude, in line of sight. Dude, just I mean, Some of the, the drownings that I've been on, I've been at parties of 60 people in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. And nobody's assigned to watch the pool, right? There was one that we went on that was a full party. There was no pool, but they had a large like one-inch diameter hose. And they were hosing, the kids were hosing each other down, water balloon fights. Well, they trapped a smaller child who's like five or six years old in a corner and they hosed him down straight in his face and they never stopped. The kid basically waterboarded. They drowned him with a with a hose. Oh my god! It was horrible, right? But Ugh. everybody's laughing, like, "Hey, they're playing with the hose." But at some point, they just stuck a straight stream in this kid's face that didn't let go for however long. And then now it's you know. And so I do think, like, um, I have a really good buddy, Joe Flahaven from Glendale. He he had an insane story at a party, you know, and he was off duty. But one of the things that he really did well is that the entire party, there was a lot of moms, there wasn't dads, and the moms were just like, hey, just drop your son off and we'll have a great time and go have fun. We got it. And 
to his credit, he said, no, I'll sit here and listen to the gossip. But he ruled his intention was just not to listen to the gossip, but to keep eyes on his own child. And sure enough, something happened and he was there and he was able to do CPR and the kid lived, pulled mm. him out of a pool face down. But if he didn't, if he just kind of went with what was, you know, socially acceptable of like, yeah, drop him off, have a great time, you know. So, yeah, I think that we do have the responsibility. Somebody has to keep eyes on the pool, right? And if you're hosting, man, you might think about hiring a lifeguard or hiring somebody to watch their sole eyes on the pool. There's a good piece of wisdom in there from Joe, too. If you've got a bad feeling about something, we've talked about this before, that sixth sense, that gut feeling. Listen to it. I mean, was it probably mildly inconvenient to go to that birthday party when you're the only dad there? Yeah, but look what happened. You saved a kid's life. So listen to that. If you don't feel so good about something, there's probably a reason for it. This last thing that I wrote down is the risk that does exist of, and you touched on it with the hospital scenario, but of kids getting abducted with sex trafficking and assault and all that stuff that that is going on today in our society, it is a risk. Is it a small risk? Yes. I actually looked up the numbers. This is the most research I've done for an episode in a long time because we don't prepare for most episodes very very much. But I was curious. I was like, how many kids get abducted? How many kids get reported missing in the United States a year? And the number is shockingly high, but there's more to follow. So the number is basically Half a million, 500,000. What? Reported missing every year in the United States. Now, however, close to 98% of those are found again. And a lot of those, it looks like something around 50% are a dispute between parents. So there's a rift between mom and dad. Mom takes the kids. She's not supposed to. Dad reports them missing. So remove all that of all the kids that made it back. We don't know what the circumstances were. But you still end up with 10,000 roughly kids a year in the U.S. that disappear for whatever reason and aren't recovered, aren't found. And that's that's a scary number, right? We have so many people here that it's still a very low possibility that that's going to be something that, that any of us ever deal with. And I pray that that never happens. But it is something that as dads, as parents, we should be aware of. And so for me, the way this manifests is, you know, my daughter's 18 now, but still... You know, we were just camping up in Yosemite with my wife's family, which was awesome. And she wants to go use the restroom. We're in this big public campground. I tell North, North, and, you know, he's brother. He's the big brother because he's physically larger, but he's younger. I say, North, walk Avery to the bathroom. And he begrudgingly does it. But I think that's necessary. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Obviously, he's not going inside with her. He's standing outside, but but he's there. And now I know that somebody has eyes on him when he's, when he's not around and not available and we're stopping at a gas station or whatever, Heather will go along or I'll go along just to be a presence, just to be aware if there's anybody around that might have bad intentions, we're at least available to be a part of the equation. Yeah, dude. The fact is the world has changed from when we grew up and there, there are predators, right? And so there are absolutely predators. And I, I, I think it's the internet has radically messed up like sexuality or different mm-hmm. things. And I, I think that that has made it more perverse. And that's why part of the reasons is that we have to be less trusting of the world in general 
and know that when girls go to the bathroom, we have to have the buddy system. We have to know where they're at. We have to know where the exits are. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. I think it's, yeah. I think it's wise, right? Because that is a reality. And because of the internet, I have seen videos of like, you know, or, you know, where there's a girl walking up to get an ice cream and you see a car pull up and the dude's talking on a cell phone, they try to pull a shirt in the car. I mean, we've seen these videos. It's, yeah. it's real. It's out there. And it's not, it's not limited to girls. Obviously we should state that for sure. It isn't just little girls that get, that get snatched. It, it does happen to little boys as well. It does seem as a father that that's more of a risk for our little girls, but we do have to be aware it happens to little boys too. It's not strictly a, a female issue. So that should be said. Yeah. And we have had candid conversations because we do have girls. And I, I think I would the same if we had boys about like sexual contact and what is appropriate and what is not. And it's okay to say no, if somebody wants to give you a hug, it's mm -hmm. okay. You know, we, we talk at length about what your private parts are and what yours are and what's acceptable and what's not. And, you know, there's a very short list of people that they have spent the night at. It's usually family, you know what I mean? And we ask, you know, our play dates, who's there. And like, it, you just, I think you have to, man, it's just the world that we're in, you know? And I've yeah. had my wife get a little frustrated when some people ask like, Oh, is uh, your husband going to be there? If they, if they have the party and, blah. and they're just checking up. And I told her that I would do the same. They're just checking up who's at the house, who's going to be there. You know what I mean? Like all kind of stuff. Yeah. We've had a rule with our kids that if they're going to go do a sleepover at somebody's house, we have to know the parents prior. For sure. We have to have met them. And, you know, I would prefer to have even seen their home, but that's not always possible. Right. But at least we've met them and we we've gotten a feeling of what kind of people they are before we let them go do a sleepover. And our kids don't do a ton of that. But, you know, as they've grown up, they've done that a handful of times. And, you know, it's definitely something that at times is inconvenient and will annoy your children, especially as they get older. Like, come on, mom and dad, what? Everybody else is going like, yeah, but. I don't know that environment. I don't know what's okay in that house. And so I would like to protect you from the potential that something's not okay. Again, it's that line where it's like, you know, how far do you go? How far do yeah. you push it? But, but there are certain things where it's totally appropriate, I think, to say, no, that's not okay. Why don't right. you invite them over here? Right? right. And we'll do it here. Totally. And I think you said it. Your gut will not lie to you. If it doesn't seem yeah. right, and then you have to have the courage and the fortitude as a parent to say no and like not be scared. We're not their buddy. We're their parent. Right. And so I think I see that too often is that people try to be best friends with their child. And I don't think, I don't think that's probably the best way to go about it. Now I'm only 10 years into it, but I do think that there has to be some, some discipline, some red lines, some say there's, you just cannot say yes to everything. As we live in a world of, being constantly aware of the fact that there is the violence in our culture and we're constantly told about these mass shootings that are happening and that kind of stuff is all over the news. And so, you know, you're aware of it. And then for me as somebody who has a concealed carry permit, and so I'm, I'm always armed. It's something I think about on a regular basis of like, okay, what will I do if I'm out with my family and the worst thing happens and somebody starts shooting? There's always been talk between my wife and I of, hey, if we're in a situation and something starts to go south, I just need you to listen to me. That's as far as I've ever gone in like planning. I'm like, just if I tell you to do something, you need to go and do it without asking questions. But there's always this dilemma 
for me and for others that I've talked to about this is like, well, how much of the plan that you have, if the worst thing happens, do you actually share with the kids? And where I land on this is exactly what I've kind of done with, with my wife is like, I'll talk to her about some scenarios every once in a while. It's actually been a long time since we've done that. But for the kids, I won't really talk to them about it. I'll just say, Hey, if something happens and things are scary and things seem to be going wrong and dad is yelling at you to do something, to take some action, I need you to just listen to me and be obedient and don't ask any questions. Cause what's the first thing that most kids do when you tell Why? them to do something that's out of the blue? Why? Right. I even do it. <laughs> what, what do you want? What? But just that little bit of saying, look, there might be a situation where I need you to take action and I can't explain it to you, but you got to do it. And I don't know what what would happen. I don't know if that's effective enough that it would work, but I also don't want to live in a world where my children live in fear of that kind of event that's so unlikely that they'll never, God willing, come into contact with that. You know, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be prepared, but I don't want them to live in a world where they're always afraid that some shooter is going to come in, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but that's, that's, that it, their world is different than ours. Yeah. Like my kids are in second grade, third grade, and they're doing active shooter drills at their elementary school. Yeah. That's a good point. Their world is different. Like this is just part of their lives is to lock the doors and go and turn over their desk. And they're like, that's just, it's, it's crazy. Post 9 11, it's a, just a different thing. Yeah. So maybe they're more aware. I mean, my kids are obviously, not in that environment. They're homeschooled, so they don't get that. But maybe maybe kids today are more aware of that stuff. Well, as I'm saying this, they are more aware of that yeah. stuff, even if they're not in school. Because my, you know, my two older ones, much to my chagrin, you know, my daughter's on TikTok and like looking at social media and my son's reading the news. They know what's going on. They're they not unaware. Up. Yeah, they they're more connected to what's going on in the world than we think. And I think it's so that's just part of their life. Like it is Yeah. Those are realities I think that they, yeah, and, and it's wild. And they're doing drill. I mean, like literally our school does those drills, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I would say like I'm not going to sit in the corner of the restaurant facing the door and then explain to Indy, who's right. eight, why I'm doing that. Like right, he doesn't right, right. need no, to know that. No, no need. <laughs> I don't. The no last need. thing I need him doing is looking out for an active show. No, <laughs> no, he wants to just, <laughs> it's time to play taco cat goat cheese pizza. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but have you guys played this game yet? No, I haven't got it yet. Right. It's on my list. <laughs> Crazy sidebar. Anyone out there, buy this game. It's it's nine bucks on Amazon. It's a card game. It's called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, and it's hilarious. <laughs> I it's, I, I'm not going to even <laughs> explain it to you, but just do it. I, if I, I would recommend this highly, just go buy this thing. It's on Amazon, and we've been having a blast playing this. Done, done. We've been playing a lot of card games with Indy. He loves card games. He's incredibly good at math, which is odd nice. because he comes from a family. I'll just say for me, I'm terrible at math, <laughs> but Same but he's like really incredibly good. We've been playing Yahtzee and the, the rapidity that this kid can do addition is insane. He's just amazing. It's really fun to watch. Yesterday we went out and played, um, cornhole which we have yes. to kind of change the rules because he can't throw the bag as far as everybody else so he gets to get he gets to get halfway to the board before he throws but man games with kids we i love it we're gonna get that game for sure that's fantastic what is it called again say it one more time taco cat goat cheese pizza <laughs> that's what we're gonna call this episode <laughs> taco cat goat cheese pizza it's a blast 
you'll get it. And it's funny to play with, like, if you get your parents involved, different generations, because there is a reaction type of uh, mm. thing to deal with it. And so, like, different generations have different reaction times. It's pretty funny. <laughs> that sounds great. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah. Do you remember when you had kids to, there was a whole like right around a year where they started walking or crawling and then you had to baby proof the house. Yeah. Oh yeah. You had to get, you know, all the the outlets covered and then the baby gates for the stairs because like just, it just seemed that death was imminent at, at any point, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then you would go over to that, that family's house or that didn't have kids and they would have like a glass table a foot high with giant <laughs> candles on it, you know, with lit candles on it and that were next to curtains. And you were just like, all right, all of this has to go. And you had to be that ridiculous new father that said, like, we have to blow out your candles and put all this like glassware above, you know, <laughs> like it, I'm, we're, we've grown out of that stage. But that is a thing. Like, remember, like, and it seems absurd to people that don't have kids, but all of that would be terrorized. If not, yes, terrorized and broken and the kid's going to fall down the stairs because stairs are, in fact, if you don't have kids stairs, when the kids are little and they're first starting to learn to crawl and walk, stairs are the most fun thing in the entire world. And they just want to crawl up and down them and roll down them, whatever they are in. So you definitely got to put baby gates on the stairs. <laughs> For sure. But when we were kids, we take the cushions off the couch, you know, oh, we put, yeah. you know, cardboard underneath them and slid down the stairs as often as we could. Oh, see, I never did that method. We used, we just jumped in a sleeping bag. Well, sleeping bags were tight sleeping bag. But the cardboard under the cushion, that's genius. Yeah, that was great. But you had to, you know, you had to create the the force field at the end so you didn't well, just yeah, destroy you gotta, the Well, yeah, you got to right? pad the end, yeah, <laughs> so you don't right. go through the wall. <laughs> the other one that was the trick is if you took a grocery bag and you wrapped a pillow in it, and then you had, so it was slick, but you had a padding of the pillow. Oh. So that was the other technique. See, this is a perfect transition. So you've perfectly transitioned. You're a pro. <laughs> And that's why we do this together. But you've perfectly transitioned into what is the accept what are the acceptable things that you can let your kids do that are inherently dangerous? And you touched on this earlier with the biking and the the skateboarding stuff, but they're inherently dangerous, but they build character. They let that kid know what their capabilities are. They let them find their limits. They let them push past their limits, but do it in a way that is I'll say safe, but it's not really safe, right? Because what you're describing no, right it's there dangerous. Is, is glorious, but it is dangerous. But what's the real risk, right? Doing it, you get some rug burn. Yeah. Right, right. You get, you know, well, you might probably sprain a broken an neck ankle. Could be the worst, could, right? Well, okay, yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe that's a little too far, but we all did it and we survived. So you can slide down the stairs on a on a couch cushion with cardboard. For as long sure. as you pad the bottom, you got to pad the bottom. Yeah, so what you are just some have your, to. What do you let like, your girls do? I mean, they've. So it's funny because my wife was like. They they had one of those cardboard boxes that came from Amazon that was oversized, right? Yeah, and they sat those. in the box and they was sliding down the stairs at Mach 10 <laughs> and they were just, boom. And then Harmon's telling them no. And then they're like, you can't do that. And then I was like, I'm the most hypocritical person on the planet because we had fond memories for years of sliding down the stairs. Yeah. So I just said the same thing. You just have to pad the bottom. You know, you can't push each other. Like, there's no, like, you know, like, you can't push it and just have at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to keep it reasonable. But, like, yeah, you have to, like, you have you have to engage with them. So, the beach is a good one. My daughter has been toying. She did junior lifeguards last year, which gave her some water confidence. And I think a little too much confidence. If there's one thing that terrifies me where I have a... a an immense healthy respect for is the ocean because I have gotten dumped, dumped on and blasted surfing. 
But so she's gone out a couple of times with me and you can see her confidence building. She's going out farther and farther, but you never know when that set comes in and she's not ready for it. But I had to let her, cause I know that that's going to happen. I yeah. had to let her get dumped one time and we got caught on the inside and she got thrown around like in the washing machine and it wasn't that big, but she came up, I helped her out and she was crying. And then, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think that gave her a healthy respect where she started asking me questions. Like, are we in a good spot? Could a set come in over here? Should we be a little bit further out? Are we? And that was worth it to me because she now knows what could happen. And then on the second part is that the worst did happen. She got tossed around and we we're okay. No broken bones or nothing. Just a few tears. And I said, we got to get back out there. And we did, you know? And so I do think that they have to, they have to set where their line is. Now, my youngest, she ain't getting, she's not going past her knees, right? She's not going out there. And so, like we said earlier, I know with my youngest, past the, just to the knees is great. And she's having a great time. My other one, she wants to push the limit. She's more like me. Yeah. And I think his dad, and this, this is going to be pretty stereotypical, which I personally don't have any problem with, but it's not this way for every, every family. But I will say that I think his dad, a lot of times your role in situations like that are to hear your wife, to hear mom saying, no, you can't do that. And to say, you know what, honey, this is okay. I'm right here. I'm going to go out with her. We're going to do this together. And we are doing this thing that's dangerous because moms are nurturing. They're even more protective than we are in a lot of situations. And that's good, right? There's a place for that. There's a time for that. It's appropriate. But sometimes your daughter needs to get tossed by some waves so she can yes. learn those lessons. And, and that's what dad's there for. So I think there's an appropriate place to say, you know what, you can do that thing that's dangerous, that makes mom nervous. And I'm going to say, it's okay. I'm going to do my, I'm going to do my thing as dad and say, no, he's fine. When we were up in Yosemite, Indy is, you've been around him. He's a complete wild man. Actually, North is too. Yeah. I should, I should he's just quiet that. about he's, it. Yeah. He's quiet about it. He goes far enough away that I don't know what he's doing. But every once in a while, I caught a glimpse of him on some giant rock or like out on a tree. North, hold on. <laughs> but he's 17. So he's, you know, he's yeah, doing his own thing. But thing. Indy's climbing these trees and doing these things. And we're crossing this bridge and there's tons of water in the valley because we just had this really wet year, obviously. And he spots this log that crosses the creek. It's like, is a right Right on the border of this thing is a river, but it's a creek. You know, there's a lot of it's a lot of water and about three feet deep, moving pretty quick. He wants to walk across this log. And my initial response to him is no, because I don't want him to fall in the water and then he's wet. I gotta go in and get him, you know. But he's like really sad that I said no to him. So finally mm. I'm like, all right, all right, let's go. I'll go with you. I'll hold your hand across this log. Because in my mind initially, I'm like, well, if he falls, I'll just I'll just hold him on the log. Well, his little cousin, who's his same age, wants to go too. So now I've got one kid in front and one kid in back, and I'm walking across this log. And I get about halfway across, and I'm looking down, and it's about a five-foot drop into this three-foot water. So we're not going to get hurt. We're going to get wet. It's going to be cold, but we're going to be fine. But I also realized at that moment that if either one of these kids falls off this log, there is absolutely no physical way that I'm staying on the log. And I'm taking the other kid with me too. <laughs> so You're done. Yeah, but it's an acceptable risk, right? right. We go in the water, we're cold. They're probably going to cry, right? Because that's what kids do, right. but they're going to be fine. Now, we didn't fall in. We made it across. So it was a pretty anticlimactic story. But those things where you initially say no, at least for me, a lot of times I end up looking at it, analyzing it, 
What's the real risk here? What's the worst possible thing that could happen? Am I willing to accept that? If so, yeah, go for it. Climb that tree, cross that log, get up on that wall. One of the things that I I noticed early on, though, is it seemed to be a lot of park people, those park parents, you know, it was, I noticed the gendered specifics. They wouldn't, little Timmy was climbing the tree, had no problem with it, but I couldn't tell you how many people would say, be careful, be careful, be careful. Hey, do you know your daughters are climbing a tree? And this one, you know, Karen type lady, like your daughter's climbing a tree. And I said, I know. And it's like, and she's like, you do? And like, she kept going, you know, and like, and so it, I I did notice very quickly if you, if I hadn't, one of the girls had a dress on, came from church and she took her shoes off and climbed a tree. Somebody was going to say something. So I, I make it a point to say like, you know, to try to empower the girls to say, you can do anything any of the boys can do. You can do anything you want. It doesn't matter. I hope you get dirty. I hope you, you know what I mean? I hope you scuff up your knees. I hope you have, you know, those are signs of good childhood. Yes. Every child should be up in a tree at that right. age. Doesn't matter what, whether they're a boy or a girl, they should all be up in the tree. That's awesome. I tell Indy when he falls and gets a scrape, I tell him, good. That's good. That's awesome. Right. And he, he still asks me, why? Why is that good? And I said, because your body will heal that. It's amazing the way God has made it. It's going to heal. And you might even get a cool scar out of it that you can tell a story about. And he's still trying to grasp that idea. But yeah, that you just got to let him do it. You got to let him do those things that are acceptably dangerous. For sure. One of the things that I've been working on with Indy is the idea of competition and losing, doing so in an, in a good manner, being a, a good a good sport about losing, but then also a good sport about winning. And then recently with him, the problem has also come up of a desire to cheat to win. Oh. And I think that's pretty natural for yeah, a lot of kids, totally but obviously normal. it's unacceptable, right? I'm not going to let him make that a habit. I'm also not going to let him be the kind of kid that takes his ball and goes home when he leaves, when he loses. So we're working on those things too. And that's not quite in the same vein as letting your kids do dangerous stuff, but I think it's equally as important. And with your girls in the sports that they're in, I know that they lose games. I know that they, you know, they make mistakes and they, they have to deal with that. And I think that's incredibly valuable. And it's in the same line as these other lessons of finding their limits learning how to deal with that stuff. And the reality is that they got to learn it at that age so that when they're adults and the stakes are higher, they know how to deal with that stuff and they know how to be, be a good human that can interact with others and lose gracefully, win gracefully, all that stuff. And yeah, that's so important though. It's because I, I don't know about you, but when you're starting to work out, you put some music on, it's the hype up. We do the same thing with the kids, with their sports. They, they want to hear the ACDC song just as much as I do. And we hype them up and it's all fun. But I noticed a lot of parents don't do that afterwards, win or lose. Mm -hmm. And like, I think there's a lesson there. Like I, we say like, Hey, you played your heart out. You know what I mean? That's all you could do is give it a hundred percent. And we had a great time. You met some people. We learned some things. Let's put on some music. Let's have some fun. Let's go get a slice of pizza. And I, I try I purposely try to make it like, not that the oh, life sucks. This is the worst Saturday ever. Cause we yeah. lost a soccer yeah. game. I mean, give me a break, bro. I mean, Kids are mirrors and I think they feed off of your energy. And if you're just as like, hey, no big deal. It's just another day. We'll get them next time. I think they, they'll start learning that that's how they should react as well. Yeah. What do you think about this? So when Indy was a little bit younger, I'd say five or six, he's always loved games, card games and stuff. We're playing simple card games. 
And I went through a time period where he would get so sad when he lost mm. that I would intentionally lose the game. Yes. And I did that for a little while. And then I'm just like, I can't, I can't let him win all the time. No. Like that's not the real world. That's not reality. And I don't do that anymore, but I did go through a time because I didn't want to make him sad. Right. But I know that that's not the right answer. Yeah. I think it's age dependent. I think it's like past, like, what do the Japanese call it? Past five or six. They have a, they have some sort of rule. There's a name like past five, six years old. You're now responsible up until then. It should be all fun and games. And there's some sort of like, like Japanese cultural. Yeah. Food. And then after, and, and that's kind of how it was. I let them win a lot of stuff and it gains them confidence and it, they want to engage and they want to play and I beat dad. But at some point now they realize they can't beat dad. And I, and I think that was right around six years old when they stopped, you know, they, they stopped messing around. So I like that. I don't know what the yeah, rule so is. So maybe judge, maybe whatever the rule is, but maybe judge your kid like you were talking about. Right. Judge where your kid's at in development stage and say, okay, now it's time for you to really learn. You don't always win and you don't get a trophy yes. if you don't win. And that's okay. That's appropriate. Dude, I know you got to go, but I, I want to say one last thing that I, I think is a tragedy right now is that you have an active child like me. You have a very overactive child who is, let's say, like Indy. He was India and I were, he's a kindred spirit. He wants to bang on the drums, jump off rocks, wrestle, and fight. Like that kid is. But I think so often now they go straight to Adderall or straight to, amph they're amphetamines. And yeah. I was listening to one of those, uh, I think it was Peter Tia, the amount of amphetamines that are prescribed to children under 17. It's in the millions, millions. We're giving meth basically at a smaller dosage. And I don't, you know, and I, I do think that that is a tragedy. Now this could be controversial. I'm not a doctor. I just don't think that millions of kids need to be on these type of drugs. And then for life, there's no exit plan. There's no reevaluation. They just take it forever. So um, I think if you have an overactive kid, at least for me, my perspective is I'd find them how to burn them out. I'd like, like a racehorse. I'd run them to, 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 to until they pass out, figure out activities and, and try to engage that kid in a different way. The least, the last thing I want to do is give them some sort of amphetamine. I can't agree with you more. We have a little bit of personal experience in that, in my family's history. And obviously, like Kevin said, we're not doctors, but if that's a direction that anybody in your life is pushing you for your kid, man, think about it, talk to other people and, really do some research, recognize what that is. And also recognize that for generations and generations and generations, when those drugs didn't exist to calm your kid down that you feel like you can't handle parents figured it out. And your little boy, your little girl today is no different than those kids hundreds of years ago that didn't have access to that. And they figured it out. And little, little boys, especially, but also some little girls, they're going to be wild and that's how they're made. And it's appropriate. And just like Kevin said, run them. Make them, make them play games, make them do things that are active, get them tired. Like there are ways to do it, but I couldn't agree with you more, man. Don't, don't put your kids on those, on those drugs. It's just bad. And I'm sure. And I'm not saying there's never a place for, somebody, for it, yeah. but yeah. But I just, but it does seem to large, me like, and I'm just common sense that ADHD is over diagnosed, right? And that how many guys that we know, like our friends, Tim Kennedy or me or you, that would have been. Back, if that was a thing, we would have been described yep. as ADHD. And yet he's a thriving army ranger with multiple businesses. You're a firefighter. Like, I think some of those character traits are what we need in certain levels of society. You need warriors. You need fighters. You need whatever, 
right? And so I'm like, man, if we just dope all these kids up, what are we left with? I couldn't agree more. Anyways. Well, the chow ball's ringing. Okay, enjoy that taco I got a taco salad, salad waiting for me. Taco salad. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's well, up? Uh, worst meal ever. Just kidding. <laughs> all you taco <laughs> salad freaks. Yeah, you know what we're talking about. All right. Well, we could go on and on for this, but hey, we want your engagement. I want to hear what you guys are doing. What dangers are you exposing your kids carefully and letting them do that? And I think the last one that that I would throw out there is that book, Wild at Heart. I think it's John mm-hmm. Eldridge. Yeah. Great yep. book. It just talks about manhood and boys getting dirty, getting out there. But read that as another resource. But let us know. Let us know what you guys are doing because we want to learn from you. Uh, on ways that we can keep our kids engaged and keep them dangerous. Yes. Let us know. I'd love to hear. This has been the Fire You Carry podcast. We really appreciate you, the podcast listener. You are the reason we continue to do this. So thank you, because we love doing it. As I'm sure you're aware, we have our next Fire Up program coming up in August as we enter these summer months. The last few spots are going to go, so make sure that you follow the links in the show notes and go get signed up before they are gone. We do cap it at 20 guys, and we will not go over that. So go get signed up before they run out. Thank you for listening again. We will see you next week.